Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed. So enjoy this message. New Year, Freedom House Church. Come on. Let's give God a big hand clap today. Come on, let's praise him. God's good. So I want to welcome all of our live streamers. My name is Troy Maxwell, and my wife and I are the senior pastors here. We are one church, multiple locations. So no matter where you live in Charlotte, you can find a Freedom House near you. Look at your neighbor. Just look at him right in the eyeballs. Tell him, say, you look way better than you did last year. Come on, you're way better than you did last year. Look at your second choice. Look at them, the one you didn't really want to tell the first time. Maybe even lie to them. Say, you too. You look even better than you did last year too. Just saying. I didn't want to talk to you, but I'll do it anyway. Hey, we got a lot of great things that are happening here at Freedom House this month. You know, uh, the first of the year is a very important year for you. You can set the tone for the rest of your, your year. You got 52 weeks. You got 12 months, 365 days. I am proud of you that you came to church and you said, God, I'm going to give you the first Sunday of the year. Give yourselves a big hand. Isn't that great? Now, I have a challenge for you. Um, The average person goes to church one time a month. I want you to commit to four times this month because we have some really, really great things that are happening every single weekend. Not to to mention great worship. Come on. He's a way maker. What a great song. If that doesn't fire you up, man, you probably dead need to be raised to life right now. Um, we, we got so many great things that are happening every single week and great messages, different message every week, different communicator at every one of our campuses. But we have some other things that are happening. For example, on the 18th, everybody say January 18th, we have our life group launch. You just heard an incredible testimony of what God does through community. And it is so important for you to get involved in a life group. Commit to it. Watch what God will do in your marriage, in your life. Uh, we, we have all kinds of life groups. We have life groups just for men. We have life groups just for women. We have life groups for, for uh, single people, not a hookup group. Okay, I just want to make that clear. This ain't, it, didn't, it didn't find your spouse group, although you, it's a good place to find your spouse at church. Okay, but life groups, get your life right. Find Jesus. And then find your spouse, all right? Not in the other order. A lot of people go, I'm going to find my spouse, then find Jesus. Or I found my spouse, and where's Jesus? No, you find Jesus, and then find your spouse. Some of y'all need to find Jesus because you're looking for other people to be your Jesus. Hello, that's not even a message. That's a freebie. (laughs) So join a life group beginning uh, the 18th. We have our annual church fast that's beginning the day after that. Now, we're going to fast as a church for seven days, just seven days. I know we've done 21 days in the past, but what we decided to do as a team is we really wanted to include everybody. And when you say 21 days, people are like, man, 21 days? I can barely drive by Burger King without stopping. (laughs) And so I want to make sure that you get to participate. What is a fast? A fast is not for you to get kudos with God. It's for you to pull yourself away from the things that may distract you from God. And it opens up his ability to speak to you. So you can fast all kinds of things. You can fast food. Uh, You can take a break from caffeine. You can take a break from sweets. You can do a Daniel fast, which is eat everything except sweets and meats. You can fast social media. 
You could not do Facebook. You could not do social uh, Instagram for seven. I know it's hard to think about seven days without the gram, but you could do it. You can do it. And it could save your life and a lot of heartache. And so join us. Uh, you'll hear lots more information about that. And then ending the fast that Saturday night, all of our campuses are going to come together at this campus. And we're going to have an encounter night which is a night of worship and prayer and miracles, and we're just going to see God move. And then uh, the, that weekend, we have our vision weekend. We're going to cast some vision, tell you what we did last year, and then tell you what we're going to do this year. Isn't that great? Yeah. All right, so look at your neighbor say, I'm going to be here. I'll save you a seat. I'm going to be here. I'm going to save you a seat. We're starting a brand new series today to start the year off called Dear John. There are a lot of things in our life that we need to write a Dear John letter to. Now, if you don't know what a Dear John letter is, basically you want to break up with something. You want to break up with somebody. You want to break up with something. So what I want to do over the next few minutes that I have with you today is I want to talk about breaking up to be you. Drake, breaking up to be you. So get your pens out. Get your little note sheet out. Get your iPad. Open your eyelids. And I want to take you through some scriptures. First of all, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul gives us... Uh, a great way to look at this, a, a perspective on letting go. Here's what he says. He says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. If you don't know much about the Bible, uh, the Apostle Paul was, was uh, uh, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Other than Jesus, probably the most influential Christian to have ever lived. And he's telling us right here in this verse that there are some things that he still needs to learn. All of us need to grow in some way. And sometimes one of the best ways to grow is not learning something new, but letting go of something old. Okay, so sometimes that's what he, so he says, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, he's talking to us, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, everybody shout one thing. Come on, everybody together, say one thing. One thing, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward, reaching forward. What he's telling us in this passage is in order to be the best you, you've got to let go of some things in your life. Forgetting those things which are behind me. I've got to let go of my past. I've got to, I've got to break up with depression. I've got to break up with fear. I've got to break up with anxiety. I've got, to, I've got to break up with some people. Got to let go of some people. Maybe today's the day where you delete some contacts that have been contacting you way too much about way too much of the wrong stuff. Are you following what I'm saying? All right. So, so we got to break up with some stuff. We got to let some stuff go. And so Paul tells us it's one thing. That in order to reach forward, you, you can't, it's not two things. I love what it is. One thing I do, forgetting, letting go, and grabbing forward. Forgetting, letting go, and grabbing forward. Forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Now, one of the things that's real important about uh, knowing what God has called you to do because I think that's the biggest question that we all ask ourselves, especially in the new year. Like, what's my purpose? What, what on earth am I here for? But in order to settle the purpose question, I have to settle the person question. I have to settle my identity. I have to learn who I am. My identity sets the stage for me 
to fulfill my purpose on the earth. A lot of people get it out of order. And what ends up happening when we get it out of order is we become identified with our purpose instead of identified with God. Now, Jesus tells us that we have an enemy. You have an enemy, a real enemy, uh, an adversary, an accuser. And he describes him in John chapter 10, verse 10. He calls him a thief, a thief. Notice he says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, whenever the Bible gives you a, a list, pay attention to the order of that list. Because he's prioritizing the order to let us know what we need to watch out for first. Notice what the first thing a thief, the thief does is he steals. He steals. He takes from you. And he wants to steal your identity. But he doesn't want to steal it by giving you no identity. He wants to steal it by giving you the wrong identity. Okay, so I want you to write that down, and it's important because Jesus tells us, listen, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So the enemy doesn't confuse us by not giving us an identity. He doesn't, he doesn't pull your identity away and you're empty. No, he confuses us by giving us the wrong identity. Now, the devil is not as powerful as God. Understand that. He'll never be nor ever was as powerful as God. But he can do some things, okay? He can't create, but he can counterfeit. So whatever God has, he will counterfeit it. So God has love. His counterfeit is lust. He'll counterfeit anything. He'll make, he'll make it so that, that worship isn't even real. He'll counterfeit worship so that people begin to worship worship Instead of worshiping God in worship, which is what reason worship is for. So they get so caught up in the songs and, and how things sound that they lose sight of the whole purpose of the song in the first place. That it's not about us. Well, I didn't feel anything on that song. Well, it's not about you feeling anything. Because it's not about you. It's about God. And so praising God is really, that's why we do that first at Freedom House Churches. The Bible says, enter his courts with thanksgiving, enter his gates with praise so we come into the presence of God so we invite the presence of God not because it sounds good not because Leslie can sing like an angel because she can not that our team is phenomenally uh, musical and gifted and all that stuff no it's about Jesus it's about it's about worshiping him not only can he counterfeit but he also can plant ideas and he does that a lot. He'll plant things in your head. He'll put things in there, seeds of doubt, seeds of, 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 of wrong perspectives. So here's, here's where I want to go with this. Now, I want to talk about your identity because there are some things we need to break up in order to become you. So he, he, I can't live right if I see myself wrong. I can't live right if I see myself wrong. So the enemy will try to distort. He'll try to steal kill and destroy by giving you the wrong identity by having you identify with the wrong things so there's lots of things that we can identify with i want to give you what i think are my top four the, the top four things that we need to break up with and i want to encourage you to make a decision in your life today everybody shout today, today. 
today that you're going to break up. Maybe it's just one thing. If you, can, if you can just let go of one thing, how much better will you be? Because your best days are ahead of you. And today's the day where you let some things go so you can become the, the person, the, the husband, the wife, the co-worker, the believer, the Christian, the follower of God, the person that God has created you to be by identifying with Christ instead of other things. So, first of all, if you want to write this down, I got to break up with culture. I got to break up with culture. Culture is a very powerful thing. The enemy uses culture. The world uh, has a big influence. And this year is going to be a tough year. It's election year. Look at your neighbor and say, uh-oh. This is going to be tough. And you can feel the pressure already. You can feel it. Now, I believe culture hits us in two different ways. It hits us externally and in an ingrained way. Now, what is external culture? External culture is the things that hit us from the outside. We spend way too much, watching the new, too much time watching the news. We spend way too much, too much time on social media. And we give all of that a voice into our identity. And we identify with things that have no eternal value. So how do I know, catch this, how do I know that culture is something that's creating an identity with me? When you get more angry about the news, politics, or what somebody said about you on the gram, you get more mad, more angry about that than you do about eternal things. You get more upset about what's happening politically or if somebody has a different opinion than you. Come on. Come on. Everybody say, I love you, Pastor Troy. You say, I'm going to go there. Yeah, I'm going to go there. Let me, help. Let me teach you a little bit. When you get upset, you get way more upset th- uh, that than you do about people going to hell. Or about things that are kingdom related. You can tell. Now, there's a good checklist for you. So somebody says something that's different politically than you or, or different socially than you or something about injustice. And, and you go, oh, you get all upset. But then you talk about kingdom stuff, and you're like, well, you know, well, the Lord is the will, the will of the Lord. Okay. You're letting culture influ- influence you. Okay, that's the external part. Now, what about the ingrained part? Now, these are the things that we grow up as uh, in, our, in our earthly culture, who we are as, as a person. Now, the best way I can explain this is to tell you a story um, uh, that I've told many times, but I'll tell it again just because I like it. And it's the only way I can really explain this. I was thinking about another story, but I couldn't think of one that fit this. There's a little girl, and she, she, it's Christmas time, and she's watching her mom make a roast. And her mom pulls the roast out, and she cuts both ends off the roast and puts it in the oven. And her little girl says to her mom, hey, mom, why are you cutting the ends off the roast? And the mom says, well, because my mom did it. Well, grandma happened to be staying with him that day, so she went to grandma and said, hey, grandma, me, Ma, what, what, why do you, why do you, why did you, my mom said, you taught her to cut the ends off the roast. She goes, well, the reason I cut them off is because my mom, well, great-grandma happened to be there that day. <laughs> and she was just sitting over there taking a nap, so she woke her up, said, hey, great-grandma, why in the world did you cut the ends off the roast? And she said, well, my oven was a little too small, and the roast wouldn't fit, and so I had to cut the ends off of it. See, it's amazing the behaviors that we pick up that really mean nothing, earthly-wise. That we don't even know why we're raising our kids this way. It has nothing to do with God. 
has nothing to do with God, but yet we are married to our earthly culture. Now, same thing. How do I know that I'm married or I am connected with my earthly culture more than kingdom culture? Everybody say kingdom culture. Now, listen, listen. Now that you're a Christian, that supersedes, that takes precedent over every other culture. Okay? Which means you're not white, you're Christian. You're not black, you're Christian. You're not Hispanic, you're Christian. You say, well, well, that's who I am. No, 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 no. If you're eternally bought, then that's who you are now. Be careful where you identify yourself with. Now, I'm not telling you to get rid of your whiteness or get rid of your blackness or get rid of your yellowness or your blueness. I'm not telling you to get rid of that, but just don't let that supersede your kingdomness. Are you following what I'm saying? Be careful. Now, if you don't believe me, believe the Bible. Okay, here's what the Bible says. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. I didn't write this. So send Paul a letter. Don't send it to me. Paul at JesusJerusalem.com, all right? Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, instead... Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out readily. Recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Some of us, we need to break up with culture. Number two is we need to break up with our issues. Come on, look at your neighbor. Say, I got issues. Look at your neighbor, point at him, and say, you got issues too. <laughs> Look, I love Jesus. Come on, how many of y'all love Jesus? Raise your hand if you love Jesus. How many of y'all love the Bible? I got issues too. All of us got issues. I got, my wife tells me I got big issues. I'm just telling you. She tells me all the time, you got issues, boy. You need to fix yourself. You need to work it out, boy. I mean, all the time. It's like, it's just a never-ending thing. I got issues. But see, what we don't want to do is just because we have issues doesn't mean you are your issues. Don't live. We all, everybody look at me, even online, look at me. You, 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 we can all claim the victim card to some extent, but don't allow that to be an excuse to live a substandard life. Make a decision that you're going to, you're going to divorce yourself from your issues. Work on them. Uh, the more we mature, now here's the way God works, just so you know. The more we mature in God, the deeper he goes in us. So, if you feel some pressure from God in your life right now, if you feel some pressure to change, it's because God is growing you. He wants to go deeper with you. And so he's going to dig deeper in our heart in order for us to take the next step. Step. We often allow the worst of us to define the best of us. Don't allow one chapter of your book determine the whole book. We all have bad chapters. We all do. Look, let this next one, 2020, be the best chapter in the book that God is writing in your life. Amen? Amen. Here, here's, here's number three is you got to break up with others' opinions. The voice of others becomes our identity. These are my top four, all right? This is number three, is you got to break up with others' opinions. 
opinions are, are, we often let others' opinions of us unconsciously define what they did not create. Now, this is important because uh, it's important to understand who has the ability to name things. Now, I'm sure you've seen different buildings with names on it. And the reason why they have the ability to name it is because they paid for it. There's ownership involved. So when somebody can create something, they, they, they have the ability to name it. But what happens with us is we allow other people's opinions define who we are. We put a lot of stock in what other people say about us, how they feel about us, what they, what, they, what they have said about us. They're slapping their labels on us. And we walk around with all these labels that have absolutely nothing to do with the, the identity that God has created in us. There's a story in Genesis chapter, I believe it's 34 or 35, where Jacob's wife, Rachel, is having her last child. And she's really struggling in her birth. Really struggling in it. And she ends up, I mean, at a place where she's about to die. And the, the maid that's there with her says, what do you want to name the child? What do you want to name the child? And she says, Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow. And then she dies. In other words, because she was in so much pain, she named her son out of that pain. What happens to us is we are around people who have pain, and out of their pain, they're naming us because of their pain. She is dying on the inside, and as a result of this death, she, he, people name you out of their death. People are dying, not physically dying, but spiritually, emotionally. Hurt people, hurt people. Shamed people, shame people. Guilty people, guilt people. And so you're, you're all, sometimes we find ourselves in a position where we have accepted an identity out of someone else's pain. But then Jacob walks in. He's daddy. He's baby daddy. He's the baby daddy. He walks in and he goes, tell me the name of my son. And the maid says, Ben-Onah. And he goes, no. He will not be Ben-Onah. He will be Benjamin, son of my right hand. Why? Because Jacob had the right to name him. God has the right to name you. In other words, you have to go to your maker who made you, who created you in order to get your name. Are you with me? Come on, that's good stuff right there. So instead of being pained and depressed, how about believe what God says about you? You're an overcomer. You are victorious. You are blessed. Your name is breakthrough. Your name is healed. Your name is blessed. Your name is prosperous. Can I get an amen? Come on, give God a big praise. Isn't that great? You got to break up with others' opinions. And then the last one is you got to break up with our experiences. Experiences. Why, why do we have to be careful that we don't allow experiences to define us? Because when we allow experiences to define us, we create this museum that we walk around looking at all of our achievements. And our achievements become our identity. Now, why is that a bad thing? The reason that's a bad thing is because if our achievements 
become our identity, then our failures can too. We can attach ourselves to our achievements and we can attach ourselves to our failures. And you can't take one without the other. And so a lot of people just walk around in their museum of life saying, this is what I achieved. This is what I accomplished. These are my successes. And they have this mausoleum of all these successes. But the minute that they fail, they, they identify themselves as a failure, not just failing. So you got to be real careful because experiences create emotions. And listen to me very closely. Emotions are terrible leaders. Let me say it again. Emotions are terrible leaders. Emotions are from God. We all have them. Nothing wrong with them. But what emotions are for is to let us know what's going on inside. But you can't trust your emotions. Think about the times that you have and how it's messed you up. We all, we all have done it. We've all allowed our emotions to dictate our life. And so we still... We, we find ourselves stuck walking around this museum of experiences, accomplishments, and failures. It's kind of like the caterpillar deciding that he's going to be a caterpillar forever. And so all he's going to do is try to learn how to crawl real fast when God's saying, no, 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 I don't want you to be a caterpillar forever. Now's the day you turn into a butterfly because you can fly way farther than you can crawl. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay, so here's what I want to do before I go any farther because what I want to do the next half of this message is I want to talk about who you really are. But in order to do that, we've got to let go of some stuff. So if you are here today, maybe even watching online, if you're here today and you can identify, maybe not with every one of these or maybe something you need to break up with, I want you to stand up on your feet right now. You know you need to let some stuff go. And we're going to take care of it right now because we can't go any farther until we let some stuff go. Whether it's, whether it's depression, fear, lack, poverty, a mentality, whatever it may be. So I'm going to pray for you, and there's going to be a moment where you're going to have to identify what that one thing, or two things, or five things. I would encourage you to pick one, two, or three things, because you can, you can do one, two, or three things. Picking 10 is going to be hard to let go of. Some of us, let's just focus on one, one thing that we want to get rid of. So Father, we just come before you as the church, and God, we thank you that by the authority of our words, God, declaration you said that you've given us power in our words. So, Father, I speak over every person today as they have stood up to say, I want to let go of some things. So, Father, right now we write a letter of divorce, letting go of, and you just say it in your head right now, whatever it is, what it is. We let go of that right now. We will never return to it. It will not define us. It will not be a part of our life anymore. When we look in the mirror, we'll no longer see that. That will no longer be a part of our, our DNA, who we are, our genetic makeup. But God, we will from this point forward identify with who you have created us to be in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen. Come on, give God some praise. Isn't that good? Awesome. You may be seated. Now, now that we did that and we're clean, come on, look at your neighbor and say, you smell real good now. In the New Testament... There are over 35 identification traits, 35 different things that God says about you. I'm just going to tackle five of them today. I want you to write these down, because, and these are my top five that I think are the most important identity traits that you and I have to move into 2020. If we want to have good vision, if I want to live right, i got to see myself right. 
And I want to just focus on one verse, and it's 2 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. 1 Peter chapter 2. And this one verse, these two verses, are packed with identity. Here's what God says. Here's what, here's what God says. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, the family of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Are you ready? Okay, so here's the first thing we got to identify with is that I am completely accepted. I am completely accepted. First Peter 2, 9 says, but you are a chosen generation. Say, say, say I, am I am completely accepted. Now, this is so important, and I put this first because understanding that God accepts you just the way you are is so valuable for us to take the next step. Why? Because the, the deepest wound of a person is the feeling or the wounds in life that come from being rejected. From being rejected. Or another way to say it is being abandoned. Now what happens when we identify with rejection? Then you never, you and I never show the real person that we are. So we wear masks. We have masks that we wear to work. We have masks that we wear to church. We have masks that we wear to life group. We have masks that we hang out with our friends. Why, why do we have these masks? Why do we create these altar images? Because we don't want someone to not like us. We don't want to be rejected. But I want you to know something. God will never reject you. You are accepted by God. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. Uh, you, you're worth his acceptance. God will never reject you. Let me say it again. God will never reject you. People may do it. Even Christians. They may reject you. They may abandon you. But God will never let you go. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He will always be there for you. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Are you, are you, are, are you with me, guys? So understand, I am completely accepted. It says, long ago, listen to what God says. Long ago, even before he made the world, God chose us. Man, that's so good. Think about that for a second. Just think about the reality that before the universe was created, before the Milky Way was created, before planet Earth was created, before it was spun on its axis, before God created oxygen, before he created the animals, before he did everything, he had you and me in mind. Matter of fact, all of the world was designed for you and me. Why? Because you're accepted. You've been chosen. God picked you. You're his first pick all the time. He'll always pick you. Well, well, you don't know what I did. Doesn't matter. You're accepted. Now, let me, just, let me just say something. Just because you're accepted doesn't mean God's going to tolerate things. Because he wants you better than you are. And so he's going to put his finger. He accepts you. He says, come on over here for a second. Come over here. Come over here. Now, let's deal with this. Love you. 
Come on, you're better than that. He's not going to push you away because you did something. No, he's going to say, come a little closer. Come a little closer. You're smarter than that. Don't accept that label. I chose you. I picked you. You're accepted. I am completely accepted. Number two is, let me read this verse too. Titus 3, 7 says, Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. He made us acceptable to God and gave us hope of eternal life. Jesus did it for us. Here's the second one is I am extremely valuable. I am extremely valuable. My life is priceless. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, it says a holy nation. He calls us a holy nation. The word holy means to be set apart. You you are a holy nation, his own special people. You are something valuable. Now, what determines value? What is it that determines value? Well, the first thing that determines value is ownership. Ownership. Some, if, if somebody famous owns something and then you get it, it's way more valuable because who owned it? If I had a pair of Jordans that actually Michael Jordan wore, I'm going to tell you something. They're going to be way more valuable than the Jordans you got on because Michael Jordan wore them. If, 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 if I have a guitar that Jimi Hendrix played, way more valuable than the one Chris So up here plays. He's good, but he's not nearly as good as Jimi Hendrix. Are you following what I'm saying? If I have a coat that Lady Gaga wore, not that I would have it, but just saying. If, if, <laughs> it's way more valuable because of ownership. Ownership. Something ordinary goes up in value because someone famous owned it. Who owns you? Who are you owned by? Your value is because God bought you with a price. Listen, Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. I love this verse too. That's how much you mean to me, God says. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back, trade the creation just for you. You know what else determines value? Is what somebody will pay for it. How many of y'all own a house? Raise your hand if you know your house. Own a house, okay. Ask me, ask me how much your how much your house is worth. Ask me. How much somebody will pay for it? I know everybody's value of their house. You say, well, well, I want to sell it for X number of dollars. You can put it on the market for that. But somebody's gonna pay what they want to pay for it, no matter how much you think it's worth. Value comes from what somebody will pay for it. How much were you worth? You were worth God's son in payment. That's your value. So now look at me for a second. Quit giving your value away to people who don't appreciate it. Don't don't do it anymore. Sweetheart, sweetheart. You're worth more than that. He doesn't treat you like you're worth. Brother, don't don't, don't let that happen. Don't let him treat you. You're worth more than that. God owns you. God bought you with a price. Jesus purchased the entire world for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave... 
He loved the world so much. He bought it for you, for the sake of you. Here's number three, is I'm eternally loved. Man, this is good right here. I am eternally loved. 1 Peter 2.10 says, but you are, but are, but are now the people of God. I'm a part of the family of God. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. You are worth loving. God loves you more than anybody could ever. He, he, he doesn't love you. He, he doesn't love you more or less than yesterday. He will always love you the same. There are no ifs with God. No ifs. There's no, there's no what's with God. Well, if you do this, then I'll love you. That's not how God works. No, he just loves you, period. That's his nature. That's how he, You were created to be loved. Psalms 100 verse 5 says, The Lord is good, his love is eternal, and his faithfulness lasts forever. Some of y'all need to write that verse down, and that be your verse for this year. That the Lord is good. Isn't he good? Isn't God good? His love is eternal, meaning it's never going to quit. It's never going to give up. There, there, there's no buts with God. There's no ifs with God. There's no what's with God. He just loves you. Number four is I am totally forgiven. Totally forgiven. Verse 10 of 1 Peter says, At one time you knew nothing of God's mercy, but now you are drenched with it. What is God's mercy? God not doing to us what we do deserve. Look, we all deserve hell. But because of what Jesus did for us, we don't, we don't have to go there. We don't have to be separated from God. Why? Because we're forgiven. Why is being uh, forgiven a part of, uh, an important part of our identity? Because shame and guilt is a disease that will erase God's forgiveness in your life. It will pull, it will pull you away from, from the forgiveness of God. God forgives you. You know what else? God doesn't punish you. Let me say it one more time. God doesn't punish you. Uh, that's not what I learned back, back in the old church. That if, if I don't serve God, then he's going to do something bad to me. That, that's not God. Where, did, where does that come from? God's merciful. God's graceful. God's full of love. He's, he, that, that's who he is. Oh, he's already, listen, listen. I know, I know. I, I thought that too. Well, I didn't do something or I did something wrong, and this is why this bad has happened to me. That's not God. That's life. I know I'm messing up your theology right now because a lot of people think that. Well, if I do something wrong, God's going to hurt me. No, no, no. He already hurt someone. He already hurt them. His name is Jesus. He already put him on the cross. Jesus already paid for your sins yesterday, paid for your sins right now, paid for your sins tomorrow. He's already paid. So when you put your faith in Jesus, now, now does that mean I can do whatever I want? No, that's not what I'm saying. No, matter of fact, the grace of Jesus actually helps us not live a displeasing life to God. Now, does God get upset with us? Absolutely. Does he have to walk away from us? Absolutely. But he's not standing up there with a rod waiting. Come on, just wait one more time. Take that cookie. Whack. No, that's not how he works. That's not how God is. 
He's a loving, merciful, forgiving, graceful God who's full of faith, who's full of love. Are you hearing me? He's a good God. He's a good God. I love that. And here's the last one. I'm fully capable. I am fully capable. Everything that you need, everything that you need to fulfill your purpose in life has already been deposited in you. 1 Peter 2, 9 says that we are a royal priesthood. Now, why is that important? Why, what, what, what is it about being a priest? It's, it's really the highest calling, being a priest. And he calls all of us priests. A priest represents God to man and man to God. Now, this helps us, helps us in understanding our role in life. Because no matter what we do, Whatever you're doing right now, the Bible says, work unto the Lord. Do, do your work unto the Lord. What does that mean? That no, no matter where you go, no matter who you talk to, no matter what you do, no matter what country you fly into, no matter what, what destination you find yourself in, no matter what you're doing, accounting, sales, no matter your number one job is to represent God to man and man to God. And you are anointed to do that. You are equipped to do that. And you are capable of doing that. Listen listen to me very closely. You are not incompetent. You are not unfit. You are not inferior. Nor are you incapable. You are accepted. You are valuable. You are loved. You are forgiven. And you are capable. You are capable, fully capable to accomplish everything that God has called you to do. And the moment that we understand who we are is the moment God can push us into what our calling is. Now, being a priest isn't standing up on this platform because, let's be honest, not everybody can do that. And not everybody's called to do that. It's not meaning that you're going to be in ministry when you're called a priest. No, you are to represent God to man and represent man to God no matter where you go. You know, it's often said that we identify with the people we think most of think about us. Let me say that one more time. It is said that we often identify with what the people we think most of think about us. We identify with those people. We put people into a position where we live off of their opinion. What I want to do in closing today is let's shift. We all need good mentors. We all need good people in our life, good people that we can draw from and learn from. But they're going to let you down. They're going to have a bad day. They're going to have an off week. And they may say some things that hurt. But if we can shift our attention to Jesus... And put him at the center of our life. That he be the most important person that we look to. Understanding that God's opinion of you makes everyone else's irrelevant. You're accepted. You're valuable. You're loved. You're forgiven. And you're capable. Why don't you stand up on your feet if you can. I want to just pray for you and let's make a decision.
today to put Jesus at the center of our life. If you're watching online, there are people that want to talk to you, pray with you. Close your head. Ah, close your head. Close your eyes. <laughs> That'd be hard to do. Close your eyes. Bow your head just for a second. Let's just get alone. You, you and God alone. Some of you have been Christians your whole life. You were born in church. Sometimes that's the most difficult place to be because church becomes ordinary. God becomes ordinary. You think you know everything. And Jesus begins to slip away from being the center. Maybe, maybe this year, first Sunday of the decade. First Sunday of the decade, we put Jesus at the center of our life. Maybe you're here today, you're watching online, and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. And you're ready to. If, that, if you say, that's me, you know what? I know that I've been pushing. Not, not just in every area. How about just a couple areas? Maybe in my finances. Maybe, maybe in my family. Maybe in my marriage. Yeah, I go to church. I read the Bible. But you know, I, I get everybody else's advice first before I go to Jesus. How about he be the most important in your life? Most important person. Why? Because you're accepted. You're valuable. You're loved. You're forgiven, and you're capable. Let's put Jesus at the center of our life. If you say, that's me, Pastor, I need to adjust. I need to adjust the order. I need to put him first at the center. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you all across this room. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just pray this out loud. Say it with me. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me for allowing things, people, Issues, experiences to misalign my life. Today, the first weekend of this decade, the first weekend of this year, I put you first. I put you at the center. You are my master. You are my Lord. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. I am accepted. I am valuable. I am loved. I am forgiven. And I am fully capable in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen. Come on, give God some praise.